looked at the internet at all today. I didn't just one of, when I was all, like, all weekend. Yeah. It's just one of those things where when I'm in like heavy production mode, it's very much like, oh, my phone's just sitting on a desk somewhere. I lose it throughout the entire day because I'm just running around back and forth. It's good to be busy. Do you find... So, like, this weekend I was gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at my parents' house, and I was really unplugged from my laptop and, and the internet. And I always find when I do that, and I take like a mini vacation or a vacation, and then I come back home, I have this problem where I need to, I feel overwhelmed by all the stuff that I've missed. Whether it be yeah. on Twitter, or my YouTube subscription feed, or not knowing what was going on on Reddit, or just, I, I feel out of the loop, and that that backlog that gets created by taking a break stresses me out, because normally... I'm, like, up-to-date on my YouTube feed. I'm up-to-date on, like, the news and the Reddits. But when I when I suddenly feel like I, I leave it and come back, I can't just be okay with the fact that there's a backlog. It's like I'm stressed out about the progress. Like, I feel like I've lost all of my progress about being up-to-date, and now I have to work and spend time to get back up to being current, which is, like, an anxiety driver for me. No, I feel you. I definitely get that to some extent, but I also think, like... When I have thoughts like that, it forces me to reevaluate my relationship with the world around me and like the stuff that occupies my time. And it definitely forces me to be like, maybe I spend too much time just looking at my phone. And so. I think you spend too much time looking at your phone. I do. I'm not doing it bad. No, I know. I do. <laughs> I do. But I, I have been trying to make a more conscious effort to try and like, okay, I need to. I need to catch myself in the moment, and then I force myself to just put it down. From from an outsider perspective, um, like I used to seem that you're always looking at your phone because I feel like you're in constant contact with your girlfriend. And I and I said constant like a weird connotation. There. I, I don't mean that in any like good or bad way. Like I, I think it's like a healthy thing that you. That yeah, we you just enjoy, talk right? all. We just talk like throughout the day. But, but it, like my it, understanding is that you literally never stop talking. True. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that. I feel like that's how my relationships have always been. Where it's not like. It's not like, oh, my phone buzzes, so I have to go run across the room and get it. But it's more so, hey, I'm in, you know, I have a moment to spare and I can send a text message and then I'll set it down. How do you always have stuff to talk about? Just what else, dude? Just, you can just talk about stuff. I don't. Stream of consciousness. I guess. Yeah. I, I find that, uh, this is, I mean, this is probably just something different, like. In, in, in our personal needs and relationships, but I find that to be, like, oppressive. Mm. No, I could see how it could be. But I, it is also one of those, like, unspoken agreements where it's just like, oh, no, you're okay with this, and I'm okay with you doing the same thing to me. But it's also, like, there's never a precedent set on the other person to, like, oh, I need to respond. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I forgot. I didn't hear my phone ring or whatever, so I just didn't respond until, like, two hours later. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't, again, I don't think it's, like, an unhealthy thing, but it, it, my, my concept of you being on your phone all the time is just always because I see the conversation between yeah. you and your girlfriend go back and forth. I'm like, I'm, oh, they're always just talking. Yeah. But if be, that didn't happen, I'd be like, man, what is Nick doing on his phone? <laughs> it'd be weird to me if, if, like, if I was ever in a relationship where it's just like, okay, bye. Like, oh, that's very peaceful. That's weird. No, I, I think that... I don't think I ever end messages with any sort of finality. Unless it's, like, a Craigslist ad. <laughs> it's more so I'm always just like, eh, whatever, just responding to the most recent thing. I think it's really healthy to just have long gaps of not talking. Mm. Not silly. And just, like, not even space for the sake of space, but just, like... Uh, 
I, I think I have a preconception that that stuff gets kind of clingy has like such a negative like a negative aspect to it but but i, I don't it's know it's like a codependency so, almost yeah it, it's like a codependency and i feel like it's important that both people at least in in my version of, of a good relationship because i've i've you know many many moons ago dated dated a girl where i was like oh we were always talking and like it was mostly her needing to communicate or like mm. have my presence but that's and also like, very much a product of the age you were right oh yeah and that's yeah. also like you know we're we're excited because we still have new cell phones that have keyboards on them yeah you totally know, physical keyboards yeah no i totally get you um but like i'd rather do other stuff with my time and not have to worry about uh a relationship because i'm very self-centered so i just want to be able to to duck into my corner lay in my bed pull my switch out and then play some some first party nintendo games or some real want to plug some 35 hours in a paper mario and the origami king some real creme de la creme of of good old nintendo's first party studios games that i mean i guess we got animal crossing but i don't really count that this year like is is this game the only nintendo game we're getting this year um no, because Nintendo's gonna release Super Mario All Stars 2 collection, and I'm gonna laugh because you said I was wrong, you said I was crazy. I was ar- you're already wrong. You missed the time frame. If it happens now, then it's just like okay. Well. It's the thirty-fifth anniversary of Mario, Joey. What a what a frivolous <laughs> fucking year. Not every year that ends in five. Joey, it's months. a it's a it's it's an important one. I want to play God, my hair's so long. I want to play Mario Sunshine again. Like nobody's business. I want to play, want to play Mario Galaxy, Galaxy yeah. like nobody's business. I will play that game with an erection, or at least half <laughs> of an erection, for a long period of time. And that's not just because the 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 babes in Delfino Plaza are, are fine. Like it's I I want those games, but I think the only Nintendo game that we're really getting this year, because again, Animal Crossing doesn't count. Um, why? Because I say so. Is is uh, is Paper Mario and the Oregon and King something? That if y'all have been listening to me talk about games for a while, which is wild that we have been talking about games for a while, not just on this show, but just in general on the internet and the different forms we've been doing stuff, you'll know that I am a Paper Mario Mark. Or I guess Mark is an outdated term when you stand. I'm a Paper Mario stan. I fucking am one of those people who's on the internet forums and they're like, man, Thousand Year Door, one of the best RPGs I've ever played. Got me into even considering RPGs as a genre of game that's interesting. The original Paper Mario for the N64, I played that shit. I rented it from Best Buy. I have memories of getting to the Best Buy and grabbing the cartridge off the shelf and taking it home. I rented it multiple times. I, can, I have, I have Great. vivid memories Best of that. Best Buy or Blockbuster? Blockbuster. Fuck you. <laughs> Blockbuster. I have vivid memories of doing that. I did However, that Best Buy did rent games. Um, what? Best Buy rented games for a short period of time, about like three years in the early 2000s. Oh, huh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it was like a Game Pass situation. I too, Joey, was what the kids would call a paper Mario. Wait, I am what the kids would call a paper Mario stand. Like you, I have vivid memories of rushing to the blockbuster, kicking down the door and digging through the N64 cartridge out, looking for that precious treasure that was Paper Mario 64. And because I only had two days to to play it, or three days, and my mom didn't want me to play all the time, I had to do it in two rentals. I was very upset that I had to go back and waste another rental. I didn't finish Paper Mario 64 as a kid. Like, I had to go back and play it as an adult to, like, actually had the game and could play it. Hmm. Because, like, I think I was just, I was playing it in an age where I was too dumb. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think I was too mentally feeble to actually play the, the game. The process, properly. like it's it. There's there's our there's like, numbers. What do I do next? Yeah, there's there's reading comprehension that has to happen. But man, ever since those formative days, every time I'm doing RPG turn-based battle mechanics, try and hit action commands, and you know what? They don't work in other games the, like Darkest Dungeon. That's called foreshadowing. Anytime there's an action, anytime I play an RPG and I'm like, okay, does it reward me for timing? And it doesn't. It makes me sad. Joey, I know you'll never play this, but you should really play Mother 3. It's a game. It's a term. It's fine. This is not with this podcast, but you would be very into it. Um, but I also... I thought, re- I, thought, I, I thought Mother 3 wasn't real. I, no, Mother 2 it, is Earthbound. Mother 3 is real, but it only released in Japan. But you can buy... You can, oh, that's, there's no English. No, there's, a, there's an English translation ROM you could either buy or just download. Um, but... That I'd like it. it It'll you know, come out eventually. Paper Mario sixty four two thousand year door. I remember getting it on Christmas and then just losing my life to that game. Uh, it was a game that I found myself like completely swept by. A game that I just adored each and every step of a journey. I went through the uh, what was it called the hundred floor dungeon that's under mm-hmm. that's underground. Like I did it. I fought Bone Tail, baby. I did it all. Um, and then that also kind of paved the way for Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Point is, I couldn't get enough turn-based Mario. I wanted more RPG Mario. And I don't know how many times we can rehash this because I know that it's redone and people who've like listeners complain about it before. But if we're given a history lesson, really kind of goes south down there. I think that there's differing opinions on, on Super Paper Mario for the Wii in the sense that Nick like likes it. it. I think I have fond memories of playing it, but ultimately just never having real combat and just having it be a side-scroller is kind of like... Crazy theory. Silly. We can get into it later, but Paper Mario and the Origami King is a, is a bona fide, this is what comes after Paper Mar- um, Super Paper Mario. This is the game that should have released after Super Paper Mario. Probably. But we can get into that. Because if you get rid of Sticker Star and Color Splash and tell me they never happened. What about be, Paper Jam? I'd be fine. Dude, don't even. Paper Jam's a Mario and Luigi game. Yeah, but there's paper in It's it. a crossover. It's there's... a crossover episode. <laughs> the thing, I, I fucking loved the old Paper Mario games. And then I liked the newer Paper Mario games. They were fine. They were always disappointing because they lacked the sparkle that the other ones had because I wanted a certain type of game. There's a reason why Bug Fables really was made. There's a reason why the game was kickstarted. There's a reason why people liked it. I would love to have people play both Bug Fables and Paper Mario and the and the Origami King and just compare what they do and don't like about it. Nick, we have to pay or uh, we have to play Bug Fables for the podcast sometime soon. Yeah, I'd like, I, I mean, I'd like that, that's actually it. just a commitment for you. You're very busy right now. We can't like I can't put like a 30 hour game on your plate. I'd really like, like to a, do that. Like a while. But but I think like I can already know because you said that this is a game essentially made by Paper Mario fans who want an actual RPG Paper Mario game that immediately sells me on the game because I understand what that means. And I think what I think the thing that the Paper Mario community is so hungry for is the quote unquote loop. It is the gameplay loop of finding out how strong you are in battle, meeting new enemies and seeing how strong they are, going into town, leveling up, getting badges, getting coins, getting items and meeting new partners. So progressing. Well, well, yeah, but it's also this this strange loop where I can affect these 
low cost, or I'm sorry, these low scale damage outputs and inputs. And like, I, I feel like when you drop your numbering for damage output to so, like, you know, below two digits, digits, I think it really puts a kind of a very real spin on what is possible in an otherwise randomized dice roll. I think that, you know, at its core, Paper Mario is no different than Final Fantasy because there's RNG, there's dice rolls that happen behind the behind the scene. But I think what makes it more tangible, something more real, is that the dice rolls are pretty con- like the the outcomes are always the same mostly, and and I think there's a level of consistency to that that I think makes the game interesting because if I don't get two damage and I only get one, it's because I messed up and not because it's a computer decided I missed or something. I think there's something special to that and adding the badges in just sweetens the pot because I don't know, man. I think there's something about the jump and the hammer that works for a turn-based RPG. If if Final Fantasy released a game and they were like, you only got jumps and you only got hammers, I'd be like, I feel like this can work. I feel like this. You throw a special, a couple special moves in there. We've got basically 15 minutes. And we haven't even talked about Origami King, which I think is wild and a testament to how much we probably like Paper Mario and like actually feel for this as like a series. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Paper Mario is not the thing we were talking about. Origami King is not the thing we were talking about. Because Origami King is only truly a Paper Mario game in like spirit. And it's back to not being the Paper Mario game that we want it to be. We've known this. We've known this for a minute. We've known that Paper Mario... I feel like we've denied it to ourselves to fully acknowledge. I feel like we were lying to ourselves. Like, no, what if maybe it's doing something different? It's not. It's not. Paper Mario takes the new design fundamentals they want of having the games to always be like different and unique and, and throw new stuff in there. And combine it with the Paper Mario aesthetic and the writing and the feel to make a game that is, you know, I, I like Paper Mario and the Origami King. I think I, li- I know that I like it more than the last two Paper Mario titles. I might even like it more than the last three Paper Mario titles. It might be, it might be like, it might sit underneath, it might like break into the top three of Paper Mario for me. It might be the best non-traditional RPG Paper Mario game for a myriad of reasons. But that, that the entire time that I'm playing it, it's colored with the idea of, man, if this game had the mechanics that I wanted it to have, it would be... One of my favorite games ever. It would be. It'd be one, so. It, it would be just as memorable as Thousand Year Door. It would be one of those games that I'd be heartbroken was ending. It'd be one of those games that I'd get ninety five percent of the way through, realize I missed something, and I'd be like, "Oh, I guess that's just an excuse for me to start over." It'd be a world that I truly wouldn't want to leave because I think that if there's one through line for the Paper Mario series, it's not. Unfortunately, uh, much to the chagrin of the Paper Mario subreddit, turn-based RPG mechanics, it is... Good writing? Good writing. Paper Mario, at its core, is a game about good writing. And you might think, Nicholas, you are crazy. You are a mad lad. You don't know what you're talking about. Look at every Paper Mario game. They're all very funny. They're all very funny. And I think they're very clever, and I think they're very interesting with how they tell an otherwise pretty typical story and i wanted to as a test to myself 
really put my money where my mouth is. And so I, I took it upon myself to dust off the old Wii U and I played through the original Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64 in the month leading up to uh, Origami King. And you know what? The writing's always been good, baby. It's always been good. And I think, again, much to the chagrin of the Paper Mario subreddit, there is this inextricable link to the paper aesthetic as much as Reddit hates that Nintendo relies on the... But there's a boss that's a whole pod. It's so immersion-breaking. I frankly love it when Mario falls through a grate because he's, you know, thin. I, I think that stuff is hilarious. I love being rolled up into a ball. I love staples. I love things being taped together. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. And I know I'm going to get crucified, but it's fine. But at its core... The thing about Paper Mario that is special is the writing. And for this game, I was convinced I don't like this game. I don't like this game. I don't like the battle system. I think it's boring. And it's really just anytime a game says, anytime a game forces you into a battle, I just found myself rolling my eyes like, okay, I got to waste another 40 seconds trying to line up these enemies and blah, blah, blah. And I think that whenever a game makes you want to avoid its action moments, it's probably time to reevaluate how a game does its action moments. But when I found out you could, you know, when you get strong enough, of course, first strike an enemy and insta-kill them, I lightened a bit. Not enough, but a bit. But then I got to the watershed, Joey. Do you know what the watershed is? The no. big moment? What is it? They killed a character! They oh, killed a really, character on really, screen! I didn't know you were going to go there. They just... The, I was convinced this is just this is just a dumb kids game. You know, maybe I just out maybe I've outgrown Paper Mario. Maybe I've outgrown Paper Mario. But then they do something that I didn't think they'd have the galls to do. They gave a character without a fuse his defining moment, his historic hero's sacrifice. You go on a quest to find his fuse. I already knew what I was looking for, and it planted a small seed in my heart. I was like. There's no way he's going to blow up and die. There's no way they're going to kill my boy Bobby in, uh, in uh, what's-her-face's words. They're not going to kill Bobby. Like, whatever. He's just going to, you know, have his moment. And then you we talk about the fact that you don't remember Olivia's name is a giant fucking problem? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a problem. Um, but then you find the fuse for Bobby because, they're, you know, King Ollie, King Ollie yeah. blocked your path with a giant boulder. And what does the bomb with the fuse do? What does he do? By nature. What is, by design, what does he do? He explodes. That's so so a kamikaze? He explodes. And he dies. He actually dies. He doesn't come back. He, it, it like traumatizes Olivia. Olivia. And you have to console her and make her laugh again. And then you meet the ghost of Bobby. How good is that? How good is that teaching a kid about sacrifice? There's one person I, I know I've been talking for a bit. There's one person I follow on Twitter who's a big like fan of Giant Bomb or whatever, and he's interesting because he often plays a lot of the games that I do roughly at the same time, and he has a daughter who's like 5 or 6, and they tend to play, you know, child-friendly games together. And so when he got to the moment with Bobby, him and his daughter looked at each other and said, 
what happened to Bobby? And I couldn't imagine being a kid and having that be your first, your first exposure to like, oh, this is what death and loss looks like. But it's also packaged in a way that's so like smart. And I think in, it's, it's human, it's intelligent. And I think it has this level of like, this is how you show kids something that's pretty, you know, sad. Do you think the kid also got the fact that the games inside an incident is basically a race war? Oh yeah, the the origami versus the 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 paper. They're all paper. They're all we're all human babies. We're all we're all human. <laughs> Man, like those fucking origamis over here. All they do is they move into town and they lower rent prices. <laughs> and they walk and they're bringing their their fucking funny ass cuisine over they here. They make they make a mess with all their papers, and the only way to get rid of them is to kill. Them. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's a strange message, but I do think that there is a, a, an inherent humanity. In in a Mario game, which seems like two things that are just a contradiction. This is probably the best story that's ever been in a Mario game. Yeah, I would say so. Which is, you know, a cool award that you can pin on something and a reason why I like this game. There's a reason why I think Paper Mario and the Oregon Akimi is worth playing outright. But man, it's not the game that I want it to be and that kills me. Because when you replace leveling up, when you replace badges conversation we've had about the last three paper mario games mm-hmm. when you replace you know battles that make sense or have any impact it's i played through the entirety of origami king i looked at like the how long to beat metrics and i was way below average by like two hours and i'm not normally that kind of person mm-hmm. but i avoided every battle i could yeah Full stop. I avoided every battle I could. And when your game is based around an interesting battle mechanic, in theory, is one of the core gameplay loops, why, Like, if you are designing Paper Mario, I think you failed. Yeah. You hard failed in the fact that I wanted to avoid the battles because I didn't need to grind for XP. I didn't need resources. I didn't want to get stronger to beat the system. I didn't feel a need to do anything repetitive. All I wanted to do was get through the experience to enjoy the ride. And every time that I stopped down to get to a ring battle where I had to uh, push someone back and pull them back, and then I played the game for 20 hours, and I still don't fucking know if, I, if, if left guys <laughs> or I know, right? Guys. It's so frustrating. What, how come I always chose the wrong direction to start <laughs> spinning the wheel in? Always, no matter what. Like It's like a fucking USB drive. It never goes in the right way the first time. I loathe the ba- like it's cool i like the puzzle it's a very interesting puzzle design not for this game there's the the weapons you have to use break you have enough money to buy new ones who cares mm. there's fast travel cool but there, there's some puzzle it's facts travel there's some <laughs> the facts travel b- brilliant whoever, whoever <laughs> thought of that jo- brilliant writing brilliant writing I love facts travel. I hate ring battles. And I feel like I was pretty good at ring battles. I I almost I would say that I had an 85% puzzle success rate. Also, I wish when you beat the game it would tell you your puzzle success rate. I think that would be super interesting. That'd be a good stat. Um, do you This is an interesting concept you're bringing up because I think at its core, I think the ring battle system is super interesting. And I'm doing my armchair game designer thing again, but I do think there's genuinely a masterpiece of a game hidden in here. If you implement a traditional Paper Mario RPG system, save the ring battle system 
for mini bosses where you have to like fight a series of enemies that surround you and then you line them up in order to do that something that is interspersed throughout but not a constant the biggest conflict i have with someone because if, if you compare it to a final fantasy and you compare the ring battle system at its core you should grind in every rpg that's just part of rpgs but the reason why i never feel like it's a pain in the ass in final fantasy is that I can generally just hit the fight command and then I kill an enemy and it's over quickly. The fact that you can also kill enemies very quickly in Origami King, but the but makes you take longer by rotating these rings is often frustrating. And I think that's where the problem of the ring system lies. The ring system for bosses, which you use maybe like, you know, I don't know, 12 times in the game. A lot of fun. They're great. I like the inverse ring battle. Yeah. I wonder what that's like for people who have... Uh, poor mental visualization. Mm. I feel like that that might almost have an accessibility problem because we almost certainly take for granted the fact that we're pretty good at being able to like, you know, look at the ring battle, which for, for the bosses, instead of lining the rings up to, you know, go outwards, you're lining them up to go inwards towards the boss. You basically like, solve a maze puzzle. Yeah, you you want to hit a certain direction. You need to get certain pickups on the way. You know, you got to... You got to solve a puzzle, which, you know, the design for that, very good. I like it. But I wonder if people get frustrated with the bosses from a, it's really hard for me to keep track of where I'm going to be going on this ring. Because, like, it's, oh, I got left, then I go right, then I go down, then I go right. And then actually, like, being able to draw that mental map in their mind without seeing it, without seeing the path drawn on the ground, I suspect that might actually be, like, a big problem for some people. I hadn't considered that, but I think you're right. I, I do think that there is, like, again, I love the boss. Anytime I got into a boss fight, I was excited because I thought the inverse ring system was a lot of fun. Um, I think that there's a world where you turn real-world objects like how they appear in Origami King. You got your stapler, you got your scissors and stuff. Turn those into super bosses in a turn-based RPG Mario. Hide them around the, the giant world that is Origami King. Hide them, make them optional, and these are your inverse bosses that are super bosses that you go in towards the ring in an otherwise traditional RPG with occasional mainline bosses that have the ring battle system. I think there's something interesting there. But regardless, the bosses, the one problem I have with them from a personal standpoint is that it felt like it was a waste of time often in that I knew that in my first round getting to the boss, like my, you know, when it's, hey, you're in a boss fight now, go attack the enemy. Every time I was like, well, I'm clearly not going to make the right choice the first time when it comes to actually making progress in the boss fight. Because I'm going to learn that if I hit it with my hammer, it's not going to work because I need to use my thousand-fold arm to do something first to leave it susceptible to like attack fold arms. or vice versa. And I feel like that's not inherently good because, I, I don't know, I think Mario's always prided itself, like just baseline Mario as a series, has prided itself on being problem solvable just from a visual standpoint standpoint i know how to kill or achieve this goal go where i need to just by understanding the mechanics of the world and how to navigate it so i felt like that was a little bit frustrating because it just felt like okay this is where i have to mess up so that i can learn how to actually beat the boss and then i'll beat the boss so other than that though i thought i thought the boss fights were a lot of fun what about the Olivia always having to reanimate folding herself every time she turns into oh, a mental. It's so long. It takes so long. 
I yeah, there's a lot of stuff about this game that just feels like icky quality of life wise. Give me that give me that fast tech speed, baby. A lot of stuff well, I mean you're a speed reader. <laughs> a lot of stuff that's really fun. I think the environments for most of the game is really cool. It's gorgeous. Uh, Shogun World's really cool. Having the open sea is really cool. I I first rolled my eyes at the idea of driving <laughs> in a car, but then, you know, just using the car as a tool to navigate a vast open desert actually played out much better than I thought it was going to. The desert was great. Like Everything that I played through in the game felt like fun and well thought out and cinematic, and, and the world was so cool. I loved being able to find like little coffee shops that were hidden. They were the so world. cute. Did you ever get the uh, Birdo moment? Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's so good. I, I do think that there's something to be said about this game, and, and the moment that clicked for me truly outside of the Bobby moment was when I realized that I was trying to streamline the game in order to get it done for the podcast and i told myself that mentally that i'm like i'm just gonna get to the end i'm gonna roll credits and then i'll be done whatever and the fact that the game managed to sidetrack me by saying hey well there are coffee shops right over there or hey there's a glowing spot in the desert why don't you check it out or hey there's this little puzzle over here you're not gonna get anything that's gonna help you in your overall quest oh boy a hundred more coins so excited do you even want to talk about how silly confetti is as a mechanic I'm not really a fan the confetti I'm not a fan of but but wait as I was saying real quick um the fact that it managed to distract me from my quest to mainline I think is just that means I thought the game was good just from a, like a psychological deep understanding, like, oh, I like this. But one thing I want to talk about, yeah, confetti is a waste of time. Get, that, get rid of that mechanic in a heartbeat. Like, make, if you want to make that mechanic any interesting, I think you have specific color confetti that can only fill in certain areas, and then you just give the player less areas to fill in. That'd be more interesting, I think. Otherwise, it just feels like bit weird busy work that never really comes into a play. But coins! But also, can we also talk about the fact that the game introduces the iconic mario star in the very first area and then you only see it one other time in the desert area yeah i think there's maybe the third time i only remember it happening twice where i get invincibility i'm supposed to and i was just like that's interesting that's weird that they did they forget they did this um i want to talk about coins as a currency i i think coins is always a currency i want to i want to talk about coins as a currency of progress because i think that is an inherently interesting idea. For a long time, as someone who considers himself an RPG veteran, I've always wondered, what does it look like to, to revolutionize progress in an RPG? Because, you know, for the most part, you hit a certain cap for your XP, and then you level up, and you do it over and over until you can't level up anymore. What happens, though, if you make that experience expendable? What if you make the balance of, Oh, I need to grind because I need to buy items in order to succeed. Like, I think there's something super, super, like, untapped potential in Mar Paper Mario and the Origami King's currency system as experience. Because I like the idea of my weapons breaking and me having to vary my arsenal in commanding battles that require my strategy and i need to plan ahead and buy things accordingly the problem of paper mario and the origami king is it tries to do that but it also makes every single fight incredibly easy and it also makes your base hammer and your base uh, jump attack invincible and just like oh i can actually just make it through this fine i think there's something interesting i never spent money for help in battles 
Oh, I did it at the end because I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to get this over with because it just rotates for you. You spend 500 coins and it'll rotate the enemies in place. You save like 15 seconds. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I save the money so that I can like, I had a really nice inventory of all the big shiny hammers and, and boots. What, I, I do like that they called the ultimate, what is the ultimate hammer? Like, there's always that moment in an RPG where it's like, is this the strongest sword in the game? And I like that the game just straight up says this is the, the strongest hammer in the game. Like, I think that's great. <laughs> Saves you the stress. Yeah, yeah. But they still break. <laughs> yeah, what's with Nintendo and having this boner for breakable weapons? If it worked for Breath of the Wild, it works for everything, baby. <laughs> did it work for Breath of the Wild? Oh, it did. That's a hill I'm willing to die on. Not not today, my friend. Not, <laughs> not even close to that. I, I do love, genuinely love the world of Paper Mario. And I think that's something that the Paper Mario series has always shined and excelled in, is not only its world building, but filling that world full of interesting characters. I always wanted to talk to everyone in every area because I thought it was funny. I'm never a huge fan of that, but I am a fan of like... I like the mechanic of like, oh hey, we're doing the thing where like in, that we do in Paper Mario games semi often now, which maybe makes it less you know interesting that like you know, uh, Bowser's minions that are papers are still your friends. Yeah, I think it's only easy. origami is bad. This is a true race war. <laughs> I do think that the the, the Bowser Mario relationship is super interesting in this game, especially at the end when you really get the Bowser stuff. Uh, I mean, I feel like we're winding down, but can we talk about the last battle? What about it? I thought it was fine. I'm so glad I didn't have to do multiple ring battles. But it's so weird that a game is so varied in its gameplay mechanics. Like, maybe that's the shining beacon of Origami King. Because you, you do have the ring battle. But at a certain point, you kind of stop doing ring battles if you're good enough at getting first strikes or just avoiding enemies. And then the game often devolves into, like, not putting you into battles when you think you're about to get into a, a, a ring battle but instead just forces you to navigate the the way you would in like super paper mario where it's me platforming to try and avoid enemies stomp on enemies and mm -hmm. i insta kill them which i kind of like like i really like that the game is bold enough to abandon some of its action or um, like core mechanics in order to like shake things up i like that there is a quiz game like it's again a flagship I mean, that, of Paper that Mario. Paper Mario has to have a quiz. But, like, I just like that that's such a big moment now. And it's just, I think it's super inventive and fun when a game decides to shake up its core mechanics a third of the way through the game at every third. I think that's neat. I think Paper Mario and the Origami King is, is a game that people should play. I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's good, I want to say. I actually I'm pretty sure that it's good. I recommended it to someone, and they bought it on my recommendation and another friend of theirs' recommendation. It's good for someone who thinks that they like Paper Mario. Like, would I recommend it to someone who only wants to play an old-school Paper Mario game? Probably, because I'd be like, hey, maybe try and open your eyes a little bit. Do I wish it was not this game and something else? Yes, I still do. Yeah. Do I think people should go play Bug Fables if they want to play that Paper Mario game? Yes, I do. Will we do a Garbage Game Claw on that eventually? Yeah, eventually, but I guess just spoiled it. Bug Fables is very good. Bug Fables... Bug Fables but it's not Mario! Mario. But it's not Mario, and it doesn't have the polish that Paper Mario Origami King... This game has so much polish. Spit shine. This, this game is clean. Yeah, it's this good. game is 
clean. It's creaseless, you might say. I'm done. It's creaseless. Nope, getting out of here. Uh, yeah, I, I think people, we might be underselling it because of even how unsure we are about it. I think there's value in trying it. If you're someone who didn't need to go jump off the shelves and get it, maybe just put it on a wish list. They'll probably eventually, it won't go on sale. It's a Nintendo game. Yeah. Um, you, you, should, you should look and see. If there's like a Black Friday Paper Mario and the Origami 40 King, bucks. 40 bucks. If it's on sale, if you get that 33% off sticker, you should go for it. I think that there is a good game here with a fun story that's that, while at times can be frustrating to play, is actually kind of a joy to experience because of all the polish it has and because of the Mario stuff. It's, a, it's an example of, I think, a rare example of good video game writing. And if you care about that at all, then I think you owe it to yourself to actually see what that looks like when a game just commits to it 100%. Because, wow, uh, if you want to write about video games or write video games, you should probably just play this game. I think I like the game. I like the game. Do you? Where does... So we played three AAA titles. They're the last oh, three no. shows we've done. Oh, no. I want... What? Oh, no. I want you to. I want you to to now now order for me. Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, and Paper Mario. Dude, am I about to get my gamer card revoked? I don't know. I think I'm in order from worst to best. I think I'm gonna. How would you go from worst to best? Enough. I mean, you build up. Okay, sure. Ghost of Tsushima. Last of Us Part Two, and I think actually Origami King. I think it might actually be. I I have. I think I remember more about Origami King than I do anything that happened in Last of Us. Could you Im- Dude. Dude, I just really don't like girls with big arms. <laughs> That's a joke. If anyone's listening to this and they don't know who I am, those people are dumb. I'm making fun of them. I think I like Origami King because I feel like I remember the game more. And it's not because I played it more recently. It's because I just genuinely smiled and laughed out loud in a way a game hadn't made me in a long time. There's more memorable moments. I think all of these three games are in the A- minus to B-plus range. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd put them all, you know, between, like, I'd give them, I'd give all three, like, a, on a 10-point scale, a 9 or an 8. Somewhere, like, in, in, in that general confounding area. It's a 7.5 so, out of 10 for me. For what? 7.5 out of 10 for, for uh, Origami King and Last of Us, and Ghost gets a 6. Oh no, those are those are pretty low. They're they're like they're like all hovering around eight point five for me <laughs> for different reasons. Um, I think I think I also like Origami. It's it's definitely the Origami King or Last of Us. I think they have very different things. That I, I mean, it's about. it's very hard to compare these two games because one is. A, but I'm I'm just comparing them on like impulses and like yeah. what I had more fun with. Yeah, what I, I, I just you know what what stuck with me. I is what think I'm I had more of an enjoyable time and i was more enthralled really with last of us but not by much Mm. by i'm talking like a very slim margin Mm. a very slim margin and i also appreciated a lot of stuff about ghosts so i don't think any of them are bad but if i had to go all three i'd probably say like last of us paper mario ghosts that's just fine i respect that I respect that. But Joey. Because I do like girls with big arms. Joey. That's not a joke. I like girls with big arms too. Hey. 
I like the big, big arms. I want her to crush me with the bicep. We have to stop. You should you should get that out of the pod. That's going to be on the internet forever. Why? I'm just kidding. Just joshing. Yeah, but people are going to cut out the just kidding part. That's uh-huh, fine. Joey, what are we playing next? I think I, I, I did a thing. I did a literary term. It's called foreshadowing when I mentioned this earlier. <laughs> in the sense that... Uh, no, it's not bug fable shit. It's not foreshadowing when you just say the name of the thing and then you just like, oh, I said it early enough, so that's foreshadowing. Is, right? That is that is 100% of I foreshadowed what the next episode's going to be. Because... It, it'd be like you in time you will know the shame of my weakness like you should have worked that in somehow <laughs> that's that's what they say in darkest dungeon overconfidence kills did you know yep, so i got that quote right someone put all of the darkest dungeon narrators lines on booty shorts and it's very good like i just want to buy them all <laughs> there's a darkest dungeon uh, narrator for dota do they really? Yeah. Oh, that's all. The next game is Darkest Dungeon, in case you Darkest haven't figured Dungeon. it out. Um, a game that rewards grinding, unlike Paper Mario. A game that is... Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I think, I think Darkest Dungeon falls in that category of... Does it, does it consider... An, can we call it an indie gem? It's an indie gem. It's yeah, an indie sure. gem. It's, a, it's, a, it's honestly a game that I didn't think you would ever play. Why? I play a lot of video games. Because it's a dungeon diving table uh, or action RP. Or I'm sorry, it's a tape. I cannot talk tonight. It is a dungeon diving turn-based RPG that stems like you know takes huge inspiration from H.P. Lovecraft. It just doesn't seem like a thing Joey would like. I like good game mechanics, Nick. We will find out. Unless they're like super Dragon Questy, in which case I just like write that shit off. I don't need any slimes in my life. We will find out. I mean, they're slimes. In Darkest Dungeon. Oh, fuck, I need to stop playing this game immediately. Find out if we think Darkest Dungeon has good mechanics in the next episode. Because we're the arbiters, damn it! In time, you will know. What is the sh- is it? The shame of my failings or the weakness? In time, I don't know. you will know the shame of my failings.